want to give an update on where we are with our foundation's capital campaign and building. We have, uh, and this will just be brief, we have finished our first phase, which is the leadership phase. I met with around 90 plus of our parishioners from January through June. And based upon their pledges, uh, I'm told we're right where we need to be with our campaign. We're not killing it, but also we're not under where we need to be. So if we do well, uh, meaning if everyone responds and helps with our next two phases, then we should be able to reach our goal. We have entered then now into our second phase, which is called the major gift phase. During this phase, some parishioners have already received letters from me this past week with more that will be going out in this coming week, asking for your support in our capital campaign. If you haven't already been contacted, you will. But only uh, in the third phase. A small army of volunteers have been trained and are willing to help with a follow-up by asking you to prayerfully consider a once-in-a-generation sacrificial gift. So when they follow up with you, please respond to them. Please remember, too, that this pledge should be over and above our annual offertory gift. In the autumn, like in every autumn, we will run our annual offertory drive, and we request also a modest increase to your offertory pledge, which will enable us to keep up with the rising costs of operating our parish and of funding our growing ministries. Gifts to the Foundation's capital campaign go strictly to the much-needed expansion, modernizations, preservation, and renovations in our parish and school buildings, and to the building of our new Faith and Family Center. Unlike many building campaigns, we are blessed, as you know, with a very generous gift that has allowed us to begin construction right away instead of waiting until all the pledges were made. However, we still need those pledges, your pledges, in order to complete all that is necessary and to tackle our long list of maintenance. As you can see, too, around us, we are full steam ahead and on schedule with our projects. The school renovations are on target to be completed by the first day of school. A brand new fire alarm system is being installed. Uh, our fire alarm system around our buildings is old and antiquated, and when we have them inspected, they're like, you really need to replace these. So we're replacing all of those. There are finishing touches to our Johnson Hall in the next coming weeks, to our new commercial kitchen there, to our kindergarten rooms, media center, music rooms, and art rooms. We're adding additional rooms and meeting spaces. In addition, Slattery Hall behind me has received a facelift. The gymnasium has been painted and the gym floor was renovated. It looks really nice. The whole building will be converted to LED lighting prior to the school starting. And the construction school crew is working on laying the foundations and utilities at the new Faith and Family Center, and you will soon see walls being constructed. This is your parish, our parish. These are our buildings. This is where we gather as family to grow in love and service to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us continue to grow our family and to grow our faith. If we all pitch in together, we can accomplish great things for the glory of God and preserve and grow our foundations of faith for generations to come.
Now the homily. Dave Barry. Does anybody remember Dave Barry? Yeah. He was around, maybe, he's been around for a long time. Kind of a uh, commentator on society, but also um, has a lot of humor. Dave Barry has uh, something to say about barn building in contemporary culture. This is what he says. Nobody in this country knows how to do anything anymore. There was a time when average Americans could get together and one afternoon build an entire barn. Can you imagine people in our modern secular society doing that today? Not a chance. They spend weeks debating the membership and organizational structure of the Barn Architect Selection Committee whose members would then get into a lengthy squabble over the design of the logo to appear on their letterhead. Ultimately, this issue would become a bitter and drawn-out dispute being taken to court, and the people involved would start complaining of depression and anxiety. And psychologists would announce that these people were victims of a new disease called Barn Committee Logo Dispute Distress Syndrome, or BCLDDS which would become the subject of one-hour talk shows, after which millions of people would realize that they, too, were suffering from BCLDDS. And they would form support groups and hotlines and 12-step programs. That's what people in our modern secular society seem to do today. Anything but actually build the darn barn. Now... Dave uh, Barry probably wrote this about 20 years ago. And when I was reading today's gospel and barn building, it, it came back to mind. And yeah, maybe it's a bit of a hyperbole that he's offering. But I think it gives us an insight in today's gospel reading from Luke. The background for this gospel passage is an incident that occurred in Galilee. As Jesus was teaching a large crowd. A young man called out from the crowd and he said, Rabbi... Tell my brother to divide the inheritance of our father. Now, Jewish law clearly prescribed that at the death of a father, in this case there's two sons, the elder son would receive two-thirds of the inheritance and the young son would receive one-third. This is obviously then the younger son who is complaining about the inherent unfairness of it all. Nothing will divide brothers and sisters more than dividing up an estate. So it is then, so it is now. Jesus refused to get involved in a petty family squabble. Jesus was concerned, however, with the larger implications of preoccupation with the things of this world. He said, beware of greed, for life does not consist of things possessed. The sum total of a person's life is more than their possessions and more than their, today's lingual, financial portfolio. He then illustrated this point by telling a story. There was once a man, he said, who had an unbroken run of prosperity. In today's language, he had successfully played the commodities market. So prosperous did he become that his barns could not hold all of his crops. His solution was to tear down these barns and build bigger and better barns. Then, with his financial security in hand, he could sit back and truly enjoy life. His philosophy, eat, drink, 
and be merry. Truth be told, when we hear this story, we find ourselves, or a part of ourselves, rather envious of this man. A financially successful man, we see him as savvy and wise. Yet Jesus concluded the story by saying that this man was a fool. This issue before us today is then, what did this man do wrong? To answer the question, we must understand that this is not a parable about money or the evils of money. Money can be used for many good things. It is a parable about values and what is important in life. With that in mind, let me briefly suggest four things that this man did that made him, in Jesus' eyes, a fool. The first. He was a fool because he had full barns, but an empty heart. We're talking here about gratitude. This man in the story could not appreciate what he had. He wanted more and more and more. And when he got more, he wanted to hold on to the more so that he could enjoy life more. However, in the process of desiring and working, gathering and storing up for more, he lost sight of why. Why he was doing all of this in the first place. Jesus calls him a fool because he had lost his sense of purpose and a heart to be grateful for what he has. Think of it this way. If one does not have appreciation, how can one possibly appreciate life more? Secondly, this man was a fool because he overestimated his own value in the scheme of things. The man, in practice, had stopped believing in God and believed only in his own power. Now, surely in his mind he continued to believe in God and heaven and all those important things. However, in his heart and in his daily living, he did not live a life of trust in the power and providence of God, nor in the ability of others to bring him fulfillment and happiness. We can come to church every Sunday, sit on a few committees and throw some change at charities. However, the day in and day out of the living of our lives tells our story loud and clear. Do we live what we believe? Or do we essentially really only believe in ourselves? Third, this man was a fool because he forgot what his real business in life was really about. Greed is the logical result of the belief that there is no life after death. We grab at what we can, while we can, however we can, and we hold on to it hard and long. This is not the meaning of life. We were created for something entirely bigger than ourselves. We were placed in this world to get through this world and arrive at the world to come. Do we live only for today? Only for now? 
only for today's pleasures and pressures, today's relationships and rewards, today's anxieties and sense of well-being? Or do we have in our minds a strategic, long-range plan? And do we plot and decide based upon this plan or the whims of the day? What Jesus is trying to communicate to you and to me is this. If we don't know the reason for our living, if we're not aware of a plan for our lives, and if we don't follow that plan, make sacrifices and take risks and break a little sweat for this plan, how do we ever expect to accomplish the plan? How do we ever expect to make it to heaven if we live only for the now? Finally, This man was a fool because he forgot about the nature of time. We're given only a very short time to discover, believe, and appreciate God's plan for our lives. Only a short time to live out this plan and allow this plan to be accomplished in our lives and the lives of our loved ones, indeed the whole world. At the end of life, do we really want to be the guy or gal standing outside the gates of heaven with a sign hanging on our necks that reads, Fool. All the while mistakenly believing ourselves to be wise. So which are you? Foolish or wise? Wise according to the ways of the world, or wise according to God. Foolish according to the opinions of the world, and so desperate to change in order to satisfy others. Or foolish according to God. And which one matters more to you? Finally, which one will matter the most to you in eternity? How you, how we answer these questions is how you should live your life and will determine where you will live your life forever in the world to come.